All right, I am honored to be preaching to you all this morning. Uh, our senior pastor, thank you guys. Our, our senior pastors, Pastor Jordan and Sonia, are currently in Chicago uh, in Evanston Vineyard Church at their Holy Spirit Conference. So I'm looking forward to next week as we hear stories of miracle signs and wonders, all right? So Jordan and I are very different. He's incredibly intelligent, and he has a PhD. I graduated from the University of Hawaii with a bachelor's degree. Yeah, yes, that's right. UH, UH. He's vegan. I follow the all-brown diet, which comprises of anything from white rice to dark meat. That's me, all right? So we even speak differently. So if you were to call Jordan up on any given night and say, hey, Jordan, what are you, what are you doing? He would say something like, I am performing aquathermal treatment of ceramics, aluminum, and steel under a constrained environment. If you were to call me and I was doing the same thing, here's what I would say. I am washing dishes with hot water under my wife's supervision. <laughs> very different, very different. So for the past few weeks, we've been in a sermon series on evangelism. Last week, Spencer Lemur spoke on planting and watering the seeds of evangelism, of the gospel, and that you can trust God to grow it. Today, I will be speaking to you on the good news. The definition of evangelism is the act of sharing the good news of Jesus by personal witness or invitation. So how did the term good news get to mean the same thing as the gospel of Jesus? Well, in ancient times, when a new king was established, runners would roam across the kingdom proclaiming this good news. They'd say, hey, good news, good news, everybody, new king. And you would say, is it a good king? I don't know. It's just called good news, good news, right? So for those in the kingdom, it meant that life in the domain would change under the new king, right? In the Bible, in the gospel books of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, are accounts of how God came as Jesus. He lived for others, died for their sins, and then was raised from the dead. In the book of Acts, folks like the apostle Paul and others went to other nations, sharing this royal announcement. Other rulers may be ruling over their nation, but Jesus is the real king over all creation, the good news. Jesus, the king of kings, whose love is stronger than death. In Jesus' kingdom, things are different. In Jesus' political domain, also known as the kingdom of God, it is Jesus, the king, who lays down his life for his subjects, not the other way around. The Bible Project describes the kingdom of God this way. The real leaders are the servants. The last are first, and the first go to the back of the line. It's where the hungry are fed. The homeless are welcomed because love is the most powerful reality in God's kingdom. The greatest in the kingdom is the one who loves and who serves the poor. You live in God's reign by responding to evil by loving your enemies, forgiving those who hurt you, 
to seek peace. This is the good news. And this is the greatest message on the planet. So Jesus is the everlasting king over all creation. And the one who loves is the greatest in his kingdom. So who's invited to be in God's kingdom? Well, everyone on planet Earth was created by God and given the choice to be in a personal relationship with him. Because we're made by God, only with God does life have meaning. We cannot construct our own truth. The Bible says Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. A couple of years ago, Jordan and I had a conversation about how many people live a life of faith on this island called Oahu. And here's what he found out. There are a million people living on this tiny island. About 25%, he said, regularly practice a life of faith of all religions. That's 250,000 people regularly practice, including us, right? 25% are agnostic or atheists. So that leaves another 50% or half a million people who believe in some sort of higher being but don't follow any sort of faith or religion. Jesus said, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Without God, we are lost. The good news is that Jesus came to seek and to save the lost. Each of us has a choice. Either one, live under the kingdom of God, or two, make my own kingdom, right? Appoint myself king or queen, Everyone has to abide by my kingdom rules, right? And if you don't, you don't have any place in my life. Does that sound familiar with anybody? I've done that, right? How's that working out for you? Didn't work well for me. Didn't work well for me. So Jesus talked about this in Matthew chapter 7. Here's what he said. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and put them into practice is like a wise man who builds his house on a rock. The rain came down. The streams rose and the winds blew and beat against that house, yet it did not fall because it had the foundation on the rock, Jesus. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who builds his house on sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell with a great crash." two kingdoms, one on rock, one on sand. I want to tell you a true story that helps to make this point, and I got permission from my friend to share it. One of my closest friends is a guy named Richard. I was his youth leader. Oh, I was his youth leader. Um, Richard was a sophomore in high school, and I mentored him in the ways of living under God's kingdom. After high school, Richard joined the military, specifically the Marines, and served two tours in Iraq and one in Afghanistan. Over time, Richard walked away from God and decided to build his own kingdom. We continue to stay in touch over these past 20 years, and I've been like a big brother to him. You would say Richard has a very good life. He has his dream job. He's married to a beautiful, loving, and supportive wife. They have three amazing kids. 
and they own a home in Hawaii. That's a good life. But as we all can attest to, life has its storms. So about two years ago, Richard called me up broken and crying. He shared with me his life was falling apart and may lose his family. My heart broke for Richard because he's my younger brother. I did the only thing that I knew that would help him save his life and his marriage and his family. That is introducing him to Jesus, his rock. Richard shared he didn't know if he still believed in God. His service in the war affected his view on life, on God, and mistrusted people. Thankfully, he was open to my suggestion. I had him close his eyes. This is all over the phone. I had him close his eyes and picture Jesus with him. Richard immediately felt God's presence, immediately, and cried out to him for help. With God's help, he saved his marriage and his family. Richard continues to follow Jesus. Life still has its challenges and storms, but now God is Richard's rock for him to stand on as he navigates his life's journey. As a side note, when I was privileged to lead Richard back to Jesus, that's like one of the highlights of my life. And I told my wife, Lila, I said, babe, I could die right now. I'm like, I could die a happy man because Richard is back with the Lord. And I was like, yeah, I'm good. I can go. I can go, God. You can take me. She responded with, gee, thanks. So <laughs> what about the rest of us? We got stuff to do, babe. You know, so <laughs> I'm still here. I'm still here. The Lord still has a lot of work for me. So yeah, yeah, so. So there's that. Okay, so your situation may not be as dramatic as Richard's, as what he went through, but maybe you can relate. I know that life without God always ends with emptiness. So everyone is invited to be in Jesus' kingdom and have a personal relationship with the king. All right, you may be asking, what is it like to live for Jesus? Well, it's actually simple. There are two rules. Number one, love God with all your heart and all your soul, with all your mind and with all your strength. The most powerful being in existence loves you. That's a lot to grasp or understand. And you may be asking, how can someone I don't really know love me? Well, humankind has a history filled with how we devalue life. Of all creation, you and I are God's highest delight and joy. Every human being is precious and valued by God. All right, Kwok, you may say, I get it that God loves me, but why do I need to love him with all my heart, soul, mind, and strength? Well, when we open our heart and allow God into every area of our life, we get to be transformed into the loving person we're meant to be, an amazing representative of Jesus' kingdom here on earth. God is patient, and he allows us to get to know him at our pace. As we spend more time with God and learn about him, 
we cannot help but love and trust the king. His motives are always good, always pure, always loving. As my brother Samuel Garner once said in describing God to me, he is present, he is interested, he is compassionate, he is faithful, he'll never quit. He will never say to me or to you, I'm done with you. Never, not in his vocabulary. Now that's a king I'm willing to follow. The second rule of living in God's kingdom is loving others as yourself. So to love others as how God would love them. Be generous. Be respectful. Be patient. Don't judge. Don't gossip. Be truthful. Be kind. Love your enemies. The Bible is filled with ways on how to love others. All right, I am honored to be preaching to you all this morning. Uh, our senior pastor, thank you guys. Our, our senior pastors, Pastor Jordan and Sonia, are currently in Chicago uh, in Evanston Vineyard Church at their Holy Spirit Conference. So I'm looking forward to next week as we hear stories of miracle signs and wonders, all right? So Jordan and I are very different. He's incredibly intelligent, and he has a PhD. I graduated from the University of Hawaii with a bachelor's degree. Yeah, yes, that's right. UH, UH. He's vegan. I follow the all-brown diet, which comprises of anything from white rice to dark meat. That's me, all right? So we even speak differently. So if you were to call Jordan up on any given night and say, hey, Jordan, what are you, what are you doing? He would say something like, I am performing aquathermal treatment of ceramics, aluminum, and steel under a constrained environment. <laughs> if you were to call me and I was doing the same thing, here's what I would say. I am washing dishes with hot water under my wife's supervision. <laughs> very different, very different. So for the past few weeks, we've been in a sermon series on evangelism. Last week, Spencer Lemur spoke on planting and watering the seeds of evangelism, of the gospel, and that you can trust God to grow it. Today, I will be speaking to you on the good news. The definition of evangelism is the act of sharing the good news of Jesus by personal witness or invitation. So how did the term good news get to mean the same thing as the gospel of Jesus? So, well, in ancient times, when a new king was established, runners would roam across the kingdom proclaiming this good news. They'd say, hey, good news, good news, everybody, new king. And you would say, is it a good king? I don't know. It's just called good news, good news, right? So for those in the kingdom, it meant that life in the domain would change under the new king, right? In the Bible, in the gospel books of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, are accounts of how God came as Jesus. He lived for others, died for their sins, and then was raised from the dead. In the book of Acts, folks like the Apostle Paul and others went to other nations sharing this royal announcement. Other rulers may be ruling over their nation, but Jesus is the real king over all creation, the good news. Jesus, the King of kings, 
whose love is stronger than death. In Jesus' kingdom, things are different. In Jesus' political domain, also known as the kingdom of God, it is Jesus, the king, who lays down his life for his subjects, not the other way around. The Bible project describes the kingdom of God this way. The real leaders are the servants. The last are first, and the first go to the back of the line. It's where the hungry are fed. The homeless are welcomed because love is the most powerful reality in God's kingdom. The greatest in the kingdom is the one who loves and who serves the poor. You live in God's reign by responding to evil by loving your enemies, forgiving those who hurt you to seek peace. This is the good news, and this is the greatest message on the planet. So Jesus is the everlasting king over all creation, and the one who loves is the greatest in his kingdom. So who's invited to be in God's kingdom? Well, everyone on planet Earth was created by God and given the choice to be in a personal relationship with him. Because we're made by God, only with God does life have meaning. We cannot construct our own truth. The Bible says Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. A couple of years ago, Jordan and I had a conversation about how many people live a life of faith on this island called Oahu. And here's what he found out. There are a million people living on this tiny island. About 25%, he said, regularly practice a life of faith of all religions. That's 250,000 people regularly practice, including us, right? 25% are agnostic or atheists. So that leaves another 50% or half a million people who believe in some sort of higher being but don't follow any sort of faith or religion. Jesus said, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Without God, we are lost. The good news is that Jesus came to seek and to save the lost. Each of us has a choice. Either one, live under the kingdom of God, or two, make my own kingdom, right? Appoint myself king or queen, Everyone has to abide by my kingdom rules, right? And if you don't, you don't have any place in my life. Does that sound familiar with anybody? I've done that, right? How's that working out for you? Didn't work well for me. Didn't work well for me. So Jesus talked about this in Matthew chapter 7. Here's what he said. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and put them into practice is like a wise man who builds his house on a rock. The rain came down. The streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house. Yet it did not fall, because it had the foundation on the rock, Jesus. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who builds his house on sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew 
and beat against that house, and it fell with a great crash. Two kingdoms, one on rock, one on sand. I want to tell you a true story that helps to make this point, and I got permission from my friend to share it. One of my closest friends is a guy named Richard. I was his youth leader. Oh, I was his youth leader. Um, Richard was a sophomore in high school, and I mentored him in the ways of living under God's kingdom. After high school, Richard joined the military, specifically the Marines, and served two tours in Iraq and one in Afghanistan. Over time, Richard walked away from God and decided to build his own kingdom. We continue to stay in touch over these past 20 years, and I've been like a big brother to him. You would say Richard has a very good life. He has his dream job. He's married to a beautiful, loving, and supportive wife. They have three amazing kids, and they own a home in Hawaii. That's a good life. But as we all can attest to, life has its storms. So about two years ago, Richard called me up broken and crying. He shared with me his life was falling apart and may lose his family. My heart broke for Richard because he's my younger brother. I did the only thing that I knew that would help him save his life and his marriage and his family. That is introducing him to Jesus, his rock. Richard shared he didn't know if he still believed in God. His service in the war affected his view on life, on God, and mistrusted people. Thankfully, he was open to my suggestion. I had him close his eyes. This is all over the phone. I had him close his eyes and picture Jesus with him. Richard immediately felt God's presence, immediately, and cried out to him for help. With God's help, he saved his marriage and his family. Richard continues to follow Jesus. Life still has its challenges and storms, but now God is Richard's rock for him to stand on as he navigates his life's journey. As a side note, when I was privileged to lead Richard back to Jesus, that's like one of the highlights of my life. And I told my wife, Lila, I said, babe, I could die right now. I'm like, I could die a happy man because Richard is back with the Lord. And I was like, yeah, I'm good. I can go. I can go, God. You can take me. She responded with, gee, thanks. So <laughs> what about the rest of us? We got stuff to do, babe. You know, so <laughs> I'm still here. I'm still here. The Lord still has a lot of work for me. So yeah, yeah, so. So there's that. Okay, so your situation may not be as dramatic as Richard's, as what he went through, but maybe you can relate. I know that life without God always ends with emptiness. So everyone is invited to be in Jesus' kingdom and have a personal relationship with the king. All right, you may be asking, what is it like to live for Jesus? Well, it's actually simple. There are two rules. Number one, love God with all your heart and all your soul, with all your mind and with all your strength. The most powerful being in existence loves you. That's a lot to grasp or understand. 
And you may be asking, how can someone I don't really know love me? Well, humankind has a history filled with how we devalue life. Of all creation, you and I are God's highest delight and joy. Every human being is precious and valued by God. All right, Kwok, you may say, I get it that God loves me, but why do I need to love him with all my heart, soul, mind, and strength? Well, when we open our heart and allow God into every area of our life, we get to be transformed into the loving person we're meant to be, an amazing representative of Jesus' kingdom here on earth. God is patient, and he allows us to get to know him at our pace. As we spend more time with God and learn about him, we cannot help but love and trust the king. His motives are always good, always pure, always loving. As my brother Samuel Garner once said in describing God to me, he is present, he is interested, he is compassionate, he is faithful, he'll never quit. He will never say to me or to you, I'm done with you. Never, not in his vocabulary. Now that's a king I'm willing to follow. The second rule of living in God's kingdom is loving others as yourself. So to love others as how God would love them. Be generous. Be respectful. Be patient. Don't judge. Don't gossip. Be truthful. Be kind. Love your enemies. The Bible is filled with ways on how to love others. Is it possible to love everyone? Let's just take the folks in this room. Look around. All right, do you love everybody here? Yes. Kinda. <laughs> Maybe. How's it? <laughs> right? I mean, let's, let's be honest. Let's really be honest. It is impossible. It is impossible to love everyone, not in my own strength. But it is possible when Jesus fills you with supernatural love to forgive those that did harm to you, Jesus makes a way. Speaking of supernatural, Jesus loves to give gifts to his followers. You might even call it supernatural powers to show love to others. Powers to heal the sick, to cast out demons, to turn an atmosphere of fear and confusion into love and peace to speak in a foreign language you've never learned, to have words of knowledge of someone that you don't know. And the list goes on and on. Does that still happen today? I know it's in the Bible, but does that still happen today? Well, we have early reports of some things that go on. Jordan was in Grand Rapids, Michigan last week and doing a, a, a ministry time there at a church there. So here are some preliminary updates of what happened at the ministry there, okay? Uh, someone who had, was blind, his eyes opened, a blind eye opened, a deaf ear opened, 
a child covered in eczema skin was cleared, someone with nerve tingling got healed. It still happens. It still happens. And even in this church, we believe that. We believe in the supernatural power that God gives to each of us. Raise your hand if you've been healed by Jesus, ever. Raise your hand. It's a bunch of us, a bunch of us, still alive and today. All right. So as a side note, that's the purpose of next week's Holy Spirit retreat, to get gifts from the king to use to love others. So I encourage you, if you want to get gifts, sign up. Everyone living in Jesus' kingdom has access to live and do what Jesus did. Jesus said in John chapter 14, very truly, I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works that I have been doing and they will do even greater things than these because I am going to the Father. It gets even better. When you live in God's kingdom, he doesn't treat us like fearful worshipers or servants. He adopts us as his children. In 2 Corinthians chapter 6, it says this, and I will be a father to you, and you shall be my sons and daughters to me, says the Lord Almighty. You are royalty, prince and princesses. That's us. Jesus is the king, and you're the prince, and you're the princesses. He has the power to remove all the ugliness that's going on inside you of regret, of shame, of pain, of trauma, of sin, all of it, just like that. I can't snap, just like that. You get it. <laughs> Thank you. He knows everything about you, the good, the bad, the ugly. And guess what? He still chooses to love you and set you free to empower you to be the loving person you're meant and designed to be. I love this quote from James Baldwin. He said, our crown has already been bought and paid for. All we have to do is wear it. So to live for Jesus is to have supernatural power to love others and to live as sons and daughters of the king of kings. All right, Kwok, what's the catch? The catch is this. You need to surrender everything to God. Everything. In Matthew chapter 16, Jesus says this, whoever wants to be my disciples must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it. But whoever loses their life for me will find it. We cannot know who we are when we don't know God. For many of us, we have tried living our own way for a very long time, and you've never been satisfied. You've been looking for something, and you're not quite sure what it is. The only true way of, to be truly satisfied with your life is with living for God until you've fully given your whole life to Jesus. So if you've never given your life over to Jesus, I'm going to give you an opportunity to do so this morning. You can do it today. I'm going to say a salvation prayer 
and all you need to do is repeat after me. You don't have to say it out loud, but you're going to have to mean it. All right? So let's bow our heads and let's pray. Lord Jesus, come into my life. I believe you died and rose from the grave. I believe you live eternally in heaven. Cleanse me from all unrighteousness. Forgive me of all my sins. Come into my heart. I make you my Lord and Savior. Thank you for your sacrifice. I accept your gift of eternal salvation. Amen. Thank you, guys. If you decided today to follow Jesus as your king, I want you to stand up right now. Stand up. Thank you, brother. Thank you, brother. Anybody else? Anyone else? God is tugging at your heart. And you're tired of living your own way, your own kingdom. And you're saying, God, I give it to you. Thank you, brother. Anybody else? Anyone else? Most of us have done the same thing. We're on your side. And if you need courage and you brought a friend today, will you stand with me? That's totally fine. Yeah? But you need to stand. You need to stand. Anybody else? Thank you, gentlemen. You may be seated. So, so as you guys stood, I want you guys, before you guys leave for today's service, I want you guys to receive prayer from the prayer line because we want to bless you. We want to pray over you on your commitment, okay? So now I want to talk to those of you who've made decisions in the past, but there are areas in your life where you've lost your way and you took control. I'll tell a personal story. About three months ago, God woke me up in the middle of the night He'd wanted me to show him the state of my heart. I didn't want to do that because I wasn't proud of it. But I did it anyway. I showed him in my heart. My heart was bitter, angry, judgmental, and I didn't like what was in there. Jesus said he would trade my life. He would trade his life for what I had in my heart. He said, you give me all that ugliness, I would give you my life. And I did. I needed Jesus today as much as I need him on the first day I gave him my life. I need Jesus daily. I need a savior daily. This is how God loves me, by his mercy and his forgiveness. Brothers and sisters, if you would like to rededicate your life to Jesus, I invite you to stand up right now. Anybody? Thank you. Thank you, guys. God bless you. Anybody else? Want to give it up to him? The areas in your life that you took control. Thank you, sister. Thank you, sister. Give it to him. He's worth it. He's worth it. He's worth it. Thank you. And same thing as you guys stood in boldness and, and courage. I invite you guys to come for prayer afterwards as well, okay? You may be seated. Okay, cool. I invite the prayer team to come forth right now. Does anybody have any prophetic words before we close? Okay. Why don't we all stand and let's pray together.
Pray with me. King Jesus, thank you for your supernatural power to transform our hearts. Send us out as your loving and supernatural representatives here on earth. Church family, I bless you to be courageous, to be completely surrendered to him, fully dedicated to God's purpose and living entirely for him. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Amen.